thought this morning is threefold. If you go with me uh, to the to the book of Mark, the fifth chapter, one of um, one of as far as I'm concerned, one of the most important passages in the Bible concerning the ministry of Jesus. And Ash was talking about praise and Judah, and in Judges they sent Judah first, and they sent Simeon, who were the hearers of the word second. They sent praise and I believe we got praise and worshipers here this morning. And I believe we got hearers of the word this morning. And if you hear the word, I believe you can go to one next level and you can be a doer of the word. The thought this morning would be the power, obviously the power of praise or the power of a promise. Before I go to I go to Mark 5, I just want to share with you something that took place when Jesus resurrected into heaven. He told them to stay, to tarry, that he was going to do something phenomenal. You know the story. Uh, they were gathered together on the day of Pentecost, and they were praising, they were worshiping. And the Bible says that God's power came down to such a degree that there was visible tongues of fire. I think the tongues of fire, think of that big lighter where you strike that and, and you see that little tongue, tongue of fire. But every one of them had tongues of fire upon their head. That's what the Word said. And they all began to speak in tongues. They all began to worship, and they all began to praise. And obviously, there were those that did not have a clue what was going on, kind of like a Baptist joining a charismatic rally. Hello? Not used to praying out loud, praying in tongues, falling out, prophecies, all of that. But there were those that were freaking out. Look at some say they were freaking out. But God is not the God of confusion. God is the God of clarity. And, and Peter stood and took authority at that particular moment of saying, you men of Galilee, we're not drunk. It looks like we're drunk, but we're not drunk. But this is that. Look at somebody say, this is that. And I, I want to I focus this morning on that thought that this is that. So many, so many times, if we're not careful, we can miss a moment with God. If so many times you, we can miss a divine encounter with God. So many times we can get overwhelmed. I have, a, I have a Bible that I was looking at today, and it has all the promises of God to us in the Word of God. And there's like 20,000 of them. There's 20,000. You know, all the, all the promises that God said that he would do, he would pour out. And this was a promise that had been made 400 years earlier. In the book of Joel, Joel, a minor prophet, prophesied the day will come when there will be complete restoration of all things. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And that's what Peter was referring to is that this was spoken in the word. This is a promise of God to us that came to pass, and Peter's drawing clarity to it. In Mark, the fifth chapter, you can go there if you want. I don't know that I'm going to take any particular passage. I'll just do this from memory. In Mark, the, the fifth chapter, yeah, let's go there just a minute. There's one point I always want to want to make. Matthew, Mark, I had a Bible scholar tell me that there's four, there's four uh, disciples in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He said, no, Matthew and John. And he wanted to write a book, a great Did I write that wrong? How well was that? Mark 5. Okay, here's, here's the story. Jesus is busy. Look at someone say, Jesus is busy. He's ministering to the multitude. Demons are getting cast out. People are healed. People are blessed. Look at someone say, he's, he's ministering to the
to the multitude. It's got a crowd. It's got a crowd. It's got thousands of people, three to 4,000 people, which follow him everywhere he went. He's on the lake, and if you've ever been on water and you've thrown your voice, you know that water is an amplifier. And he was using a natural amplifier standing on the edge of the lake and allowing that lake to magnify his voice. He's ministering to thousands. Hundreds are being healed, being delivered, being set free. All kinds of phenomenal things are, that are happening right there in the moment. But a guy, somebody say a guy, by the name of Jarius manages to sequester him and begins to share with him that he has a daughter that's sick. She's not doing very well, and she's really struggling. And, and Jesus said, I will go with you to minister to your daughter. point I want to make there is that no matter how busy Jesus is, take care of all the stuff he needs to do, he's never too busy for you. He's never too busy for a personal request, a personal response. <coughs> this response was made. He, this request was made. He responds back. And they head towards the place where the daughter needs a miracle. Look at some of the, they head towards the place where the daughter needs a miracle. So Jesus, his destiny that day was to heal this child. As he's headed to this child, and the irony of this story, this child is 12 years old. Everybody say 12 years old. Headed to the daughter's house, surrounded by Jairus and the multitude. They're, they know if Jesus is on the move, something's happening. They're moving with him. They're all pushing in. They're all they're all trying to be right there. You know how I don't know if you've been to a rock concert and got right at the very the, the main speakers that part your hair and blow your and if you and if you can reach out and touch the foot of Steve Tyler you probably would. That's kind of the, that's kind of the status he's operating right. He's kind of a rock star status. Everywhere he goes, people go with him. There's a woman. Look at someone say. There's a woman that's been sick. Twelve years. The Bible says she had many do doctors. And the more doctors she went to, the worse it got. How many, how anybody relate to that? You know, it scares me that they call their, their uh, that they call what they do a practice. They practice on you. You know, try this drug. If this doesn't work, then try this drug. If this doesn't work, then try. And, and, and her, her body was just tore up of all the medication. And what is scary, and even sometimes a basic blood pressure medicine, you know, I watch those commercials on television where it says, you know, use Lipitor or use this or use that. And then they say the side effects could be internal bleeding, hemorrhaging, your left ear falling off, your foot rotting, and possible death, possible. And you're thinking, why in the world would I want to put that in my body when all these bad, in other words, sometimes, and what the doctors give us is medication, and sometimes it's trying to kill the disease or sickness, but a lot of times it affects the body parts. There are many that have been struggling with drugs for a long time. My uncle died of cirrhosis of the liver. I've done several funerals of those that have died. Alcoholism killed them or drugs killed them. Their little body just couldn't handle, just couldn't. Matter of fact, I've done a funeral already this year of a young lady. She, I don't think she was 50. She wasn't as old as me. I think she was 55, 58. She got in an accident when she was a teenager. All her life she medicated. All her life she pursued the pill. And her, just, her little body just gave out, just couldn't handle it. I remember preaching, I remember preaching another uh, funeral of uh, Annette's mom, precious, precious friend of ours, ministry friend, love the Lord. But the years, the years of alcohol, it destroyed her body, and she died because of that. And so we see this woman 
She's sicker than she was before she went to the doctor. Hello. And, and she has this mindset. If she's heard about him, she may have seen him, but she's heard about him. And she said, you know what? If I could just touch, if I could just, if I could just get close enough to brush up against him, if I could get close enough just to, just to touch the hem of his garment, which was probably his prayer, his prayer cloth. But she said, if I could just, and so she meanders and she begins to manipulate and she begins to make her way and she got to it. And, you know, I, I think a lot of times in our praise and worship, our praise obviously is a door that invites God to appear. Worship is the place for God to sit. I think a lot of times in our praise and worship, we're not really focused more or less on opening a door or, or receiving something from God or hearing from God or being blessed by God. But, but it's more of I praise him because I love him. I praise him because he's been so good to me. And I praise him because God's word says that we need to praise him. But add one more thing to that. There is a promise attached to praise. The Bible says he can work through those who praise him for our God inhabits praise. And I think a lot of times we, we may come to the, the place of God and maybe really even act like maybe you don't need anything. I don't think any of us are there. I think every one of us has a list of things that we really would like to see God do, but, but we don't necessarily expect it. And a lot of times if you're not looking for it, you're not going to get it. Does that make sense to any, anybody whatsoever? So they're, they're headed somewhere. Jesus has left the multitude. He's going to go minister to a 12-year-old daughter. And this woman that's been sick for 12 years touches him. And the moment her faith, there, there was nothing holy about the talith. There was nothing holy about the hem of his garment. It wasn't the garment, but it was the one wearing the garment that the touch was made. And when she touched him in faith, the Bible says she was instantly healed. Look at what I'm saying, instantly. 12 years sick, 12 years broke, <coughs> 12 years, I'm talking she was instantly healed. And what was so crazy is that whatever that whatever that was that left Jesus, he felt it. He felt it. Part of me has been delegated to somebody else. A part of my ministry, a part of my, somewhere, someone's been touched, someone's reached out in faith, and someone has touched me. So he asked the question, okay, who touched me? Okay, you might think that is a crazy question because the multitude wanting his autograph, wanting his recognition, wanting a word spoken of them. They were, they were pushing, they were jousting. And I don't know if you, you've seen maybe a celebrity surrounded by bodyguards or the bodyguards try to kind of keep the people back and let the, and let the celebrity walk. That's exactly what's going on. The disciples are trying to make room for Jesus. Everybody's pressing in. They want to see his next miracle. They, some people just name droppers. They just want to say, thank you, Pastor Todd. Some of them, will you open it for me? Oh, thank you. Uh, uh, so, some people just like to hang around uh, famous people and then drop names. Anybody? Pastor Ron and I have a couple of friends that, that they love to drop names of all the top celebrities in the church. And you got to be careful whose name you drop because tomorrow they may not be all that wonderful and incredible that you. I wrote, a, I wrote a sermon one time, be careful who you write the forward of your book. Be careful who you let write the forward because today they might be a hero, but tomorrow, I mean, that's how, that's how people change. But there was definitely something left Jesus. And I think in our worship, I think in our praise, I think when God comes down, I think God releases a part of himself to us. The Bible says he sings over us in song. He taught us how to sing. He put that power of, of, of singing and, and ministering in our mouth. But she, she absolutely knew that if she touched him, something happened. Okay, so the disciples are going, well, Lord, what do you mean? Who tied? There's hundreds. I mean, 
you're being touched right now. He goes, no, somebody touched me. And she heard what he said, and she knew that she was the one that got the healing and got the miracle, and she said, it was me. It was me. How cool. You know, it reminds me of the ten lepers that came to Jesus, and he sent them away, and all ten were healed, and only one leper came back and said, thank you. But she had, she had the ability to address him and to thank him. Okay, this is kind of like maybe a distraction towards his destiny. But God is always willing to be distracted long enough to touch us as he's on his way to touch somebody else. Here's the point I want to make from this particular passage in Mark, the fifth chapter. Maybe, third, maybe verse 35. While he yet spake, he just talked to the daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole, go in peace. How many knows what it means to be whole? Anybody know what it means? Okay, she didn't just get healed, but she was made whole. When the lepers came to Jesus, he healed them. But the tenth leper that said, thank you, he made that leper whole. Their Bible scholars believe that type of leprosy, it removed limbs, removed fingers, removed toes. Many Bible scholars believe that when he said, your faith hath made you whole, that that leper was completely restored. Those fingers began to grow out. That fa- can, you, can you imagine that? that the, so, so there's something beyond a miracle. There's a miracle breakthrough, and then there's a being made whole of the miracle that God has blessed you with. There are a lot of people that have carried something for a long time, been healed of it, but don't realize they need to let it go and turn it loose, and they continue to drag that with them. I believe that after the miracle, I believe there's ministry. I'll show you in just a minute. I'll prove that to you in just a minute. So, so while he's headed towards the, the ruler's house, he encounters this woman, blesses her, and people, while he spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any farther? Spend a lot of time here if you wanted to on the doubt, the negativism, the, 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 the negative words spoken. In other words, uh, there's nothing that God can do. Your daughter's dead. You may as well get over it. That's not, that's not true. God starts at the impossible and works there. What we consider to be impossible, God loves challenges like that. And, and God, God will not allow those events to die, but God will allow them to live. He speaks to, to, the, to, the, to the synagogue, hey, be of good, be of good cheer, be of good courage. And let me, let me bring the second point that I wanted to. Uh, verse uh, 38. And he cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and seeth the tumult and those that were wept and wailed greatly. And when he came in, he said to them, Why you make this ado and weep? This damsel is not dead, but she's asleep. And they laughed him to scorn. You know what? I'm glad I wasn't there. The spirit of slap would have come upon me. They, those are laughing. I'm telling you right now, anybody feel that coming on right now? How dare you make fun of the Lord? Pow, take that in Jesus' name. I'm not sure that we can do that anymore. And they laughed him to scorn. But here's the point. Here's the point. You ready? But when he had put them all out. But then when he put them all out. He saw the confusion. He saw the, and this is the, this is the point. This is the point that I want to make. Sometimes. For us to focus and touch the things of God, we have got to make an effort to remove all distractions, dead ends, and detours. This was a distraction. They're all wailing, they're screaming, 
they're crying, she's dead, they're, and, and he, you know what, he said, I'm not going to, I'm not going to deal with this, he ran them all off, he ran everybody, ran everybody off except mom and dad, and two or three disciples, he walks up to her, and he says, translated, little sister, wake up, little sister, wake up, 12 years of age, so whether you've been diagnosed for 12 years of stuff that's killing you, or whether you're 12 years old and you're dying, he always has time for the personal need, even though there's the ministry of the multitude. And let me show you how practical, I mean, I mean, the Lord is so practical, it's scary sometimes. And notice, if you will, in verse 43, and he charged them, obviously, this is the beginning uh, year of his ministry, he doesn't want a lot of fame and fortune, what was that? And he charged them straightly that no man should know it, that he raised her from the dead and commanded that something should be given to her to eat. How practical God is. How wonderful God is. You know, he gets the girl raised from the dead and says, you better feed her. She might be hungry. So that's where, that's where the ministry follows the miracle. And he goes, isn't that a, isn't that a great, great illustration? Okay, I want to bring that now to where, to where we're at right now. In, in Acts the 10th chapter, you have to go there, trust me, there's a story by the name of Cornelius. Cornelius is Italian. Cornelius loves God. Cornelius knows how to pray, loves to pray, had a hunger for the things of God, and he had a dream. And in the dream, he saw Peter. He saw God confirmed some things, spoke some things. And while he's praying and while he's interceding, an angel comes to Cornelius and says, Cornelius, let me tell you something. Your prayers and your giving has been made a memorial before God. I mean, how cool would it be to know that your generosity and your prayers has so much touched God that he built an altar, a memorial just for you? And so the, as you follow the story, we're not going to follow the story, but Chris, what Cornelius wanted was the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of power and miracles and all that God provided. And in this 10th chapter, you'll find at the last verse, the 10th chapter, God comes down, they're all, the whole house, they're all filled with the power of the Holy Ghost, and God begins to minister, not to the Jew, but to the Gentile. And this, this positioning yourself, when I think about distractions, I think about, and, and you, might be, you might be like, like this, but Cheryl, if we're watching TV, and from, if, the TV, if we're sitting in the living room couch, and the TV is right there, if there's something on the snack bar, it drives Christine nuts. Am I telling the truth? I mean, I mean, it's like, it's like Christine gets focused on, on things that are so unimportant, and you wouldn't think, but it affects her. Shut, shut down the noise. Shut down the distraction. Remove all the distractions of your life and let God respond. Let that, that promise that God has promised. Romans 8, we need to go there probably. Guys, if you'll, if you'll go there, Romans 8, 26. Why Cornelius so desperately needed the Holy Spirit and why we today so desperately need the Holy Spirit. Does it say something likewise also the Spirit? Are we there? Let's read that together. You ready? Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. This is crazy. I, I believe, I, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe that there is a, another language. It's not Hebrew. It's not Chinese. It's not Russian. 
But actually, I believe, according to Deuteronomy 32, 32, I actually believe that there is a language that angels communicate to God, God communicates to others. The Holy Spirit, I believe, has a language known only to him. And as he begins to pray, that language with moanings and groanings which can't be uttered, I believe it touches the heart of God. I believe one of the number one reasons we feel the Holy Spirit is that you would have that prayer language. You would have that. Do I have a friend in the house? Anybody relate? I mean, this, this week, it doesn't happen often, but this week I found myself at a place. There were no words. There were, there were no statements. There were no syllables. I had come to a place where I completely drained everything in the physical English language. I didn't have anything else to pray in English, but I was still troubled. I was still, so I began to pray in tongues, and that's, I'll share that with you in just a moment. And not, God did not just bring peace in that moment, but God brought a miracle. We got a phone call. Uh, many of you know that, that me, she's been a part of this house for at least 20, at least 20 years, Tatum and Taylor, beautiful children. We love them. She's been a part of this house. We know she's done very well at life care, but it got opened a door for her to do a transition. And in that transition, she decided she's going to take three or four days. Is it okay to share this? Three or four, uh, take three or four days off and go. And ironically, I think this, t- this time last year, Christine was a part of that, of that Florida trip. So, so Mish got her mother and got her cousin and one of her friends, best friends that she went to school with at Lee University, and they drove to ha- Tallahassee, Florida. In Tallahassee, Florida, her car was T-boned. It rolled four times. Her mom was killed instantly. Her cousin was killed. Her best friend was killed instantly. The cousin got her neck broke. And Mish was at a place where when we got the report Thursday that they had medevaced her out with a helicopter, but no hope that she would be spared. They, they, had, they had no hope. They gave a death sentence on her. She was, we were told she was not expected to live. Immediately, phone calls, texts, prayer, intercession, one thing led to another, and, and I could share with you all the several times that I've talked to the family, but today, her eyes are open. She is talking. She is responding. She is crying. She knows they, they, they took her off the... Um, Five broke ribs, some broken vertebrae. Um, liver got whacked pretty good, but the liver's okay. Uh, when they when they put her on when they put her on the ventilator, I called yesterday and we prayed right then. They took her off the ventilator within ten minutes of, of prayer. And you know what? We need we need to give the God the glory because that was an impossible situation where there was a negative report. And you you your your mind. You know, your mind begins. Your mind begins to ponder. I mean, I mean, all all of them should have been killed. That the, the wreck was that bad that all of them should have been killed. But God spared her life. And you know, we you always go the next mile and say, well, why didn't the grandma live? Why didn't the cousin live? Why did the best friend? Why? And we don't know those things. Those are things that we do not know. But here's what I do know, and this is this is what I told Sonny yesterday. God can deliver us out of something, or God can deliver us through something. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Abednego said, 
whether you whether you put us in the fire first or not, we are still not going to deny our God. And you know the story, there in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the tragedy, God sent his son Jesus, cooled the flames down, and they survived. That is so incredible. That is so phenomenal. And then there was when, when Daniel, the king loved Daniel. You know that Daniel was set up, was thrown into a, a pit of hungry lions. God could have delivered Daniel before the lions. God could have delivered the fiery furnace before the fiery furnace, but God chose to let them experience the den of lions, the fiery furnace, so that their faith would be stronger, their love be stronger, and they would have, you know, when you get delivered from lions, you get delivered from fiery furnace, you got the faith to pray for anything. I mean, you get that kind of breakthrough, that kind of miracle. There's nothing too hard for God. There's nothing that God cannot do. This week in, in a camp, um, it, it's a camp of bad choices, uh, drugs, alcohol, mess, just things happening. But God has brought a very precious young man into my life, and I've had the privilege of leading him to the Lord. And ironically, so crazy, last Thursday, I go over to check on him. He goes in the office. He calls this young man in, Matt, 23 years old. And he said, Pastor Hank said, Matt, Matt wants to get what I got. And so we led Matt to the Lord right there. All the wrenches and grease and all the work on the cars gave his heart right there to the Lord. But Hot Rod got a bad report. Got a bad report. Five bypasses, stents, everything. They felt his heart was out of order. And, and he went into this, you know, thinking, knowing I could die. I could really, I could really die. I could die. And you know what? Sometimes God allows things to happen that we not turn to the physical, but we turn to the, in other words, doctors couldn't do it. Medicine couldn't do it. Only God could grant what he needed. And sometimes God will bring us to a place where no, there's no hope nowhere else. Like Paul said, all hope that we would be saved was lost. But there stood by me this night the angel of the Lord. And I think things will happen. I think there are tragedies. I think things will happen. They, they, we come to a place where, man, we just take the mask off and we're real with God. And we're real with God, whether we're in praying in tongues or praising and worshiping. But anyway, before, and this will, this will crack you up, uh, he had to be there at 5 a.m. in the morning. I have not got up at 4 o'clock in the morning in years but I, but I managed it. I got my coffee. and Actually, what I did was, instead of making one cup to go, I took two cups of coffee to go so I could get there. Uh, five, five o'clock in the morning, there in the parking lot of the hospital, I felt like I had a, I felt like I had a word for him, and we prayed. They asked, I probably prayed four times before he went to surgery, but they had me pray, and here's what I prayed. I said, Lord, let this, let this, let this operation be such a phenomenon that when the doctor cuts into his heart, a lot of stuff that he was expecting is not there. And I said, Lord, they, they told us that he'd be in, in there three days and five days in, the, uh, in, in, a, in a room. And I said, Lord, would you, would you cut that time down that doesn't stay so long? So we go, we pray, we go, we go into full-blown surgery. What they said would take five and a half hours, took two hours and 15 minutes. From the mouth of the doctor, the, doc, the surgeon said, if I could have planned a more perfect heart surgery, this would have been it. He said, this is the most, this heart is whole, is healed. Okay, he was in intensive care day before yesterday. Today, he's in his own room. He's in his own room. He's walking. I went to check on him last night, and they already told him that he's being grouchy. 
And so we went in and had a good time, and, and, and we loved that. But that's the way that God rolls. That's the way that God rolls. And whether it's a promise that's been attached to you, where Joel said, your sons and daughters shall prophesy, or whether it's a miracle that you need, or whether it's just a place that you're wanting to go with God, when you share, when you share your testimony, when you share, you know, Hot Rod shared his testimony to Matthew. I don't, I don't know if I'm going to live or die, but I'm going to serve God. I'm going to serve God. And they're, they're trying to come. You know, once you get out of the going to church, it's, it's, sometimes it's tough to shift back in there. But they're going to come. They're going to come. God's going to open the door, and they're going to come. If, if you are here this morning and you just feel, and team, if you'll come help me, uh, if, you, if you feel this morning that a divine answer to prayer in your heart and spirit, and you're not too shy to come and share it, I just want to open this up just for a moment as we, as we look. We've already had an incredible altar call. We've already had healing and ministry and everything. But, you know, if you're that one person that's trying to, trying to touch the hem of his garment, just trying to press forward, I think there's going to be some testimonies this morning that will build your faith, that will encourage you. Does anybody have something just in their, in their heart? God has, come on, come on. Good morning, church. Um, uh, most of you don't know, but I have been through a lot in my first half of my life. I have lost a fiance. I have lost a son in a car wreck. I have been in full-blown addiction for many, many years. And I blamed God for most of it. I was angry, hurt didn't know, didn't want to live. And something kept tugging at me. And I finally said, I'm done with this life. I want it no more. And by the grace of God, he sent me to the Hope House. My counselor said, there's a four, I just called two weeks ago for another person and there's a four and a half month wait on a bed. But she called and they said, bring her. Bring her on. Even if we don't have a bed, we'll make room for her. And the Sunday after I got here, I was right here. And I said, God, I'm so, so sorry that I ever forsake you. Please forgive me and help me move these mountains. And then I found my secret place. And I was in there and I was praying and praying and I was just letting it all out. And I, you know, they say you can't go around the swamp. You can't go over. You can't go under. You've got to go through it. And God sent me through all this stuff and I closed my eyes. And I said, God, wrap your arms around me. Hold my hand and walk me through this swamp. And I'm not, you know, I haven't been in my Bible for many years. And I close my eyes and Isaiah 49.10 pops up in my head. And it says, even through the springs of the river, I will guide you. <laughs> Glory. I knew right then that I was going to be okay. That I was going to be able to do this. And that I could look back on that. And then I started thinking, 
devil started. You know, six to nine months, I'll be okay. You know, I'm not mandated to be here. I come on my own will. I'll be okay in six to nine months. I can go home. And something was just keep on at me. And I was, I was praying and I said, God, what do you want me to do? And he said, I already knew where I was bringing you. I already knew it was 15 months. If you obey me, you and your son will have the godly life that I intended on you guys to have. Because my son, there was four people in the wreck. It's my fiance, my precious Logan, my brother-in-law, and Caden. Caden was the only survivor. It was as if God just set a box on top of Caden. He had nothing wrong. We spent one night in the hospital. Three people, intensive injuries, broken necks, trauma to the head, trauma to the chest, everything. And Caden come out perfect. He said, you and Caden are going to have a godly life. But if you disobey me, it's not going to end well. I know what I have to do. And it helps me so much. Even It's hard. It's hard staying there. It's hard seeing my little boy walk away. But I know without a shadow of doubt that we're going to be okay. It's by him. And I praise him every day. And I thank him so much. My grandma, she, she was just squalling yesterday, just so emotional, saying, I cannot believe I'm sitting here looking at you, smiling like you are. And it blesses my heart to know that I was able to come through before something was to happen to her and her have to go knowing that I'm out there like I was. But look at me now. <laughs> Amen. Let that testimony encourage you. Let that testimony bless you. You know, whatever, whatever this, whatever the distractions are, we have a we have a room in our house that it's always, it's always perfect. It's always there's nothing out of order. It's just it's just a, a nice room, just a nice place. And uh, the other day I went down there and laid on the couch. Just just was no distractions. It was it was just you know sometimes I'll go to prayer, go to do something, and I realize that the oil in the suburban needs to be changed. Or I need to wash the aquarium. Can anybody relate? I mean, so many distractions, everything that, that hinder us because the enemy knows. Yeah, she's, the enemy knows. If you ask God, he's going to do it. He's going to do it. I remember, and uh, Kelly, you'll appreciate this. There was a uh, realtor, had some uh, property for sale, and he got a phone call from his secretary and he said, you're not going to believe this, but that preacher has come by and offered us half of what you're asking for. And she said, can you believe that? And the realtor said, listen, sell it to him for half because he, if he asks God, he'll get it for nothing. And that's the God that we serve not just healed and delivered from drugs and alcohol, but restored to her son, restored to her destiny, restored to her, to her the, the, the provision that God has for her. 
How crazy is that? That encourage you this morning, touch you. Anybody else this morning answered prayer? God just has been so good. So you, just, you feel in your heart of hearts, you've got to share it. And I, I, won't take, I won't take very long here, just, just a moment. Pardon me. Yeah. Why don't we, why don't we um, sing this through once? Let's just stand all over the, all over the. Obviously, there's power. There's power in the touch. There's power in that hand that you hold. There's a, when you walk into agreement, when the two hands are struck, if you feel comfortable taking the hand to the left or right, you don't have to step across the aisles. We have had God this week speak to two dead things and they've come alive. We prayed all the prayers we knew how to pray and you know for what it's worth Debbie and Pastor Rhonda did not sleep Thursday night. They stayed up all night. That's, that's called watching. Watching and praying. But God is bringing people in our life to intercede for us to touch God for us. But sometimes we just need to reach out in childlike faith and say Lord I, I, need, I need to experience your, your favor, your anointing, your presence, your love. I just, I'm, I want to be addicted to that. I want that my top priority, that I hear what you have to say. Lord, every hand, every heart this morning, those of us that have any physical challenges, those of us that have any, any mental challenges or spiritual challenges, that you would come to where we are. You know who we are. You know what we have need of. And this morning, in childlike faith, if two or three agree, Lord, we're in agreement right now that there will be miracles of restoration and healing, deliverance and victory and financial response and, and, and material things return, that we'd be blessed as you ordained for us to be blessed, that you would give us the raises, the increase that we're looking for. We honor you today. We love you. We trust you. You are a good God. You are a good God. Yes, Lord. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Don't you love him today? Would you take this moment to shake a hand, hug a neck, greet somebody, love somebody, and tell them, I will see you Wednesday night at 7.05. Wednesday night at 7.05. Uh, if you're offering envelope, lift your hand. Pastor Todd is so good to respond.